Maybe that's a feeling of agitation caused by the presence or imminence of danger. Why do you think people believe in ghosts? I work at Burger King making flavor whoppers. I would pay for hat. Would you like an apple pie with that? Would you like an apple pie with that? Ding by the dun, ding by the dun, ding by the dun, ding by the dun. I gotta run, I gotta run, I gotta run, I gotta run. Don't buffer fries and hot fat, it really hurt bad, and so do skin grabs. Would you like an apple pie with that? Would you like an apple pie with that? Where is the bell? Wait for the bell. Can't hear the bell. Where is the bell? Ding by the dun, ding by the dun, ding by the dun, ding by the dun. I was a Burger King making flavor whoppers. I would pay for hats. Would you like an apple pie with that? Would you like an apple pie with that? Ding by the dun, ding by the dun, ding by the dun. Ding by the dun. This is how I found you. Let me demonstrate. This is your brain on the box. This is my brain on the box. Does anybody else feel like a fried egg? Seven o'clock, Psycho sees Santa's workshop, and only Lee Majors can stop them. In the night, the reindeer die. Be here. You can't show that commercial. That thing looked like the, the Manson family Christmas special. Think I'm way off base? Yes, you're, well, you're a tad off base, sir. Frank Cross is more than the youngest network president in television history. Call security. Have them change his locks and toss him out of the building. Oh, he's fired? It's Christmas. Thank you. Call the county. Stop his bonus. Watch out. He's a thoughtful boss. Thanks, boys. Get the nurse. A generous brother. What did he give you last year? Uh, I don't remember. A shower curtain. Did you hear him? I think you dropped something here. And a true humanitarian. I can't get the antlers glued onto this little guy. We tried crazy glue. Have you tried staples? But his life is about to change. Woo-wee! That was a good one. You are going to be visited by three ghosts tomorrow at noon. God, tomorrow's bad for me, Lou. As a matter of fact, the whole rest of the week is a washout. Anyone who thinks he hates Christmas is wrong. Go back to Jersey, you moron! It's ghosts he hates. Bill Murray. Karen Allen. It sounded like you'd seen a ghost. A ghost? John Forsythe. 
Bobcat Goldthwait. Hey! You do want to see me or is this a shotgun in your pocket? <laughs> you know this one? Everybody knows this one. Let's go now. How does everybody know this one? <laughs> Carol Kane. Robert Mitchum. I really care. David Johansson. Oh, I'm having the weirdest day. See Bill Murray get Scrooged. Hey, back off, big man. I may work with the checks, but not with me. and gentlemen, and welcome back Inside Movies Galore. I'm your host, David Streggy, and here I have the Inside Movies Galore cr uh, crew uh, with me. Hello, Red Raven. Welcome back. Hi. Hello, Dane. How are you? I am fantabulous. Uh, Dustin, how are you doing tonight? Out of my mind. Uh-oh. Send him the Christmas courage. Anyways, going over to you, uh, Brandon, how are you doing tonight? What does that mean? Uh, I am here with my cup of joy. Uh, hello, uh, how are you? Uh, hello, I'm good. And Kyle, how are you today? I'm great, how are you, Dave? Pretty good. And uh, say hello to his uh, girlfriend, uh, uh, Lisa. Uh, wel uh, welcome, Lisa. She's going to be piggybacking with us tonight and uh, seeing how we do th uh, things. So that uh, if she wants to come on future episodes, she's more than welcome to. So hello. Hey. So tonight's uh, film, in the in the spirit of Christmas, is uh, a film that was directed by Richard Donner. Which, if you know anything about Richard uh, uh, Donner, he's done films uh, like uh, Superman and Superman 2, uh, The Toy, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the original Omen. He also did some original Twilight Zone episodes. So, um... And the Lethal Weapon movies. Exactly. And the uh, movies. Uh, so, um... Moving for, uh, forward, the movie that we are do, uh, doing is called Scrooged, which is an adaptation of a Charles Dickens uh, 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 Christmas story, except it, it was filmed in 1988. Uh, and um, It's a Christmas carol, but with Bill Murray in, in modern New York. Well, oh, okay. 80s New York, fine. It's pretty great. You also so, it's it's good good. so I'm, I'm actually done I'm actually downloading right now, so... Well, if you want, you can watch it whenever and uh, let us know your thoughts on it. Uh, if you're ever, if you're on one of our future episodes, I may actually ask you what your thoughts were on it so, uh, so that the audience can know what you thought. So, um, I'm actually downloading it right now, and I'm actually watching it, so... Speaking of Kyle, uh, I'm going to start with you uh, uh, this uh, uh, since you, uh, since uh, <laughs> uh, this was a first time watch for you, uh, for Scrooge, was it not? Yes, it was actually. I might have seen it. I may have seen it when I was a kid. I might have, but it looked familiar now that I watched it. But I might. But it's a. Uh, 
it was a little confusing at first, but it's it, it teaches you a lesson in life that you know you must enjoy about Christmas. You know, it has like this. You know, uh, it also has like a fa- a, a comedy fantasy horror feel to it, like a, a, a Christmas horror. It's like a Christmas horror movie, like you know, like you know, but for kids. And um, I love Bill Murray. I love the director of it, Richard Donner, which he directed the my favorite one of my favorite movies, The Goonies. Which which Lisa got for me on Blu-ray for Christmas. Yep. And uh, the new the new uh, twenty fifth anniversary edition, which I love. Mhm. And um, thank I you, like it. Thank you, babe. Yep. Um. It's a it's a real and uh, Scrooge back to Scrooge, really great, uh, really great movie. I love it. You know, it's a. Uh, yeah, he, Bill Murray. He plays a very mean, very mean guy, very, very wise ass kind of person, and he's like, he's 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 just like very mean in this movie, and then he's just very cruel to his his workers, his his people, at, mm-hmm. at, in the town, and like you know, it's just he visited by three ghosts in the past. Ghosts um, of uh, Christmas past, present, and future. So Bill Murray is Scrooge, and he's kind of a dick to everybody. He's kind is... of a dick to everybody. Yeah. Oh yeah. Christmas Carol. I'm watching Where's it. I'm watching it now, and I can definitely see why a lot of people think he's like really mean. I'm actually watching it now as you speak. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> he's. I've never seen him play a part like this before. He's usually playing like a nice, sweet person, and then at the end, I don't want to give anything away. But well, we all never stops us. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's heartwarming, very heartwarming ending that really touched my heart and really get you know made me happy at the end. I did not expect it to be a heartwarming ending, actually. <laughs> and it's one of the feel good movies of the of the year of a Chris one of the feel good Christmas movies that I really enjoyed it. I might own it someday. The feel good movies of nineteen eighty eight. Nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, <laughs> I just seen it. In two thousand and in two thousand eighteen, oh, right. almost thirty years old. Oh, don't remind me. I'm watching it right now. I like the old setting already. I love eighties movies. So. I love eighties movies too. It was Christmas a very different time. Very, <laughs> I love Christmas movies too. Mm. For me though, I, I just gotta say something. Now, like old Christmas movies back then compared to today's movies on, like, let's say Hallmark, because is the plot, pretty much, it's either the husband's rich and he went to his wife, and everyone has a fight, and then everyone, I want something Christmas movie like, like something more unique. So, now, I it's just, um, it's just some dumb formula. Like a, almost like a religious know, movie. Right? Like, it's always like, here's plot point A to B to C, and it's more or less like the same. I mean, like, the names and, like, some of the details, like, change up, but it's always, like, the same kind of cookie cutter, you know, everybody yeah. learned a lesson plot line, but they all learn the same lesson in the same way, and there's, like, no fucking point to watching the movie. There's always a lesson to be learned in these movies. And uh, there's always a, yeah. Going over to Dane, was this a first time watch for you? Yes, it was. Um, I know that uh, people are not sure. Yeah, it was first time watch for me. Um, I know that a lot of people um, 
have really, you know, fond memories of this. Um, like, like I said, uh, for the Christmas Vacation episode, like, I'm not a huge fan of Bill Murray as a comedic actor. I do like him a lot as a dramatic actor. Um, and I love, you know, Christmas Carol in just about any form. Uh, not to rain on people's parade, I kind of thought this blue, to be honest with you. I don't no, there are certain things I liked about it, like I liked the Ghost of Christmas Future, and, uh, but like, I thought it was very just mean and kind of unfunny and tedious, and just the whole thing felt really phony to me. Like, it didn't seem to, it was mostly just kind of an excuse for Bill Murray to just be Bill Murray as a cantankerous person while kind of trying to squeeze in, you know, this thing into a, uh, a Christmas Carol framework here, and uh, it just didn't feel genuine at all, at least to me. Um, <laughs> what movie did you watch? Savage by Jude. Going over to um, uh, Brandon, uh, what, uh, what were your thoughts on this film? Was this a first-time watch for you? Oh, heck no. Uh, but, uh, oh, by the way, Dana, I, I'm glad to see, uh, hear a dissenting one. It's good to actually get that variety in there. Um, yeah, but, uh, what's, what's funny, so apparently the critical reception of the movie at the time was mixed, and mm -hmm. it has a cult fan base and everything, I guess, but it just, uh, I mean, I'm glad that it doesn't have, like, the you know, universal, like, praise that certain movies have that if you don't like it, then you're insane or you're oh, yeah. out of your gourd or whatever. And that, I'm that, that claim. I know that you might. are, but that's that's kind of <laughs> your thing, you know. But uh, the, uh, the point is that, like, I tend to not like it when movies get so lionized one way or the other that... You know, you just have a dissenting view, and therefore you're just out of it. But um, you know, it, it just it didn't really work for me. Well, I will say I do have an interesting story behind this. Uh, for me, I, of course, I watched it uh, much like uh, the National Lampoon's movie when I was fairly young. Uh, it grabbed me right away. <laughs> I mean, it was it was one that grabbed me right away with the uh, whole uh, the whole idea of. Uh, Lee Majors comes to save Santa's workshop just at the very beginning. I want to see that fucking movie. That looks amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I have seen, this is probably one of the yeah, films. <laughs> I have like a, around 10 films that I have seen many, many times. And I mean into the hundreds of times. Uh, it's not in the top three. If we ever get to those, I, I would try to host myself for those because I know them so well. But it is to the point where I have it, uh, I have pretty much all the lines memorized from the movie. Uh, we also set it up this time by watching The Man Who Invented Christmas right before. Uh, so it, it was really cool. I, I, to me, it, it was something very different from a lot of the, the, the uh, sentimental kind of tripish stuff that we would see throughout the holiday season it was something fairly new it wasn't your Rudolph or your Frosty or even your traditional Christmas Carol it was something new uh, and kind of fresh in its own way at the time 
and that, that to me, it still holds very well today uh, to me because it still feels like it is an outlier from that pack. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to interject uh, here for a moment, uh, 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 Katie's point of, point of view, since she's unable to, uh, to make it due to a work situation. Um, so, um, uh, she, uh, she thought Scrooge is a comical take on the traditional story of Ebenezer Scrooge. Well, yeah. Bill Murray did an excellent job with the role, and the supporting cast is also really great. If she had to mention anything noteworthy, she'd mention that the Ghost of Christmas cast, played by David Johansson, also known as Buster Poindexter, was the founding member of the New York Dolls and later went on to have a solo music career. So, um, going over to Justin, um, was this the first time watched for you? Oh no, well this is one of those kind of annual holiday movies that you kind of see it whether you want to or not, like, if you're near a TV, um, with like cable or whatever, during the holiday season, this movie's gonna be on somewhere, so you're gonna, you're gonna see at least a little bit of it. Um, so, no, this is probably, I don't know, maybe the tenth time or so I've seen it, it's kinda hard to guess at this point. Uh, I mean, I thought it was pretty good, like, it was a really clever, usually, like, A Christmas Carol is kind of, I almost wanna say trite, uh, but I don't think that's quite the right word. Um, you know, maybe you mean overdone, because I, yeah. I don't think the story itself is tried at all. I think it's pretty timeless and pretty significant. It's overdone, just, it has, overdone is a much better it, word. Yeah, it has been done to death. Um, and this at least does this, does... this does the story, like, in... It does the same basic story, but, of course, in, like, a very different and unique way. And I, I really praise it a lot for that, like... Um, not sure what you were talking about, but it worked pretty great for me. Well, like, well I'm, I'm glad I was it did. Good, it didn't, I was having a good time. Well, it didn't. I, I know. Again, I'm. I know. I'm in the minority as far as Bill Murray himself is concerned, uh, just in general. But like, uh, I do respect the fact that it was doing something different with the basic story. Um, for me, it just. I feel like it. Just and again, I'm I'm a big fan of Bad Santa. I'm a big fan of. Oh, that's of, a great movie. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. A big, that's well, the best. I'm, well, I I tend to be a fan of kind of perverse, uh, you know, dark humor and everything. Me too. I thought, well, I Stay felt here. like with I think the thing with this story is that it just felt kind of to a little tonally inconsistent, a little off, and like certain certain things really didn't work for me in the sense of like I thought the ghost of Christmas present was super annoying and I didn't I thought, three, I thought the three ghosts were pretty interesting in the different takes that they had um, uh, they were they were nice and different you know from what I've usually seen um, well I liked uh, the ghost of Christmas future quite a lot I thought that was a uh, well they worked in the um, uh, want and ignorance uh, from the story. They worked them in as being inside of his cloak and his uh, face was a TV screen, which I thought was that was pretty creative, I have to I say. Love the TV. Um, it's, a, it's a little more toned down, the movie, than, than some of the normal like perversion Christmas movie, perverted Christmas movies. Like, you know, like it's a little more it, toned down. A little mm. bit, except I wouldn't say it's for kids either, because... It's not for kids either. It's, it's PG-13, so... Yeah, for and for good reason. I just... 
I guess the other thing is uh, just even well, when I thought, he's... I thought the ghosts were I thought the ghosts were pretty sweet. Even the even the ghost of Christmas present, like kind of she kind of made sense as. I don't know, she had, like, the most personality out of all of them, probably because she had, like, the most lines. But I, I, thought, I thought that actually worked pretty well. Like, they each had their own kind of contrast. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely different from what I've normally seen, which is fine. I just, uh, I found the Ghost of Christmas Present very annoying, and I thought the Ghost of Christmas Past was kind of annoying, even though I did love the taxi cab idea, um, which I'm sure... They probably were getting that a little bit from Back to the Future in the sense of like the the meter oh, the turning. Time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, have to, they, yeah. they have to have at least. And, uh, it's sort of funny. Like, back to the. It's sort of funny. Like, my perception. My perception of like the ghosts. Um, when I think of a Christmas Carol, like <laughs> the ghosts, I think the ghosts of past, present, and future that I see in my mind are the ones from like the Ghostbusters cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah! Oh god, the Ghostbusters cartoon. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I kind of fit in a little. Bit. Um, oh, wow, I'm sorry. I, I, I haven't either, and I'm also not even really a huge Ghostbusters fan. Like, I don't hate it by any means. I just, I think it's again, it's a generational thing. I just wasn't really of that kind of '80s movie, uh, '80s movie generation or the '80s humor generation. Um, and I didn't really grow up with a lot of that stuff retroactively until I was older, but, um... You just really piss me off tonight, aren't you? <laughs> Don't I always? I mean, that's... Well, that's I not disagree, usually. Uh, let me stop you guys right th uh, there, and, uh, Rick... I'm not saying it's not. That's a great movie. The first two. Let me stop you guys right there, and let's get um, Red Raven's opinion then. Uh, so, Red Raven, was this a first-time watch for you? Are you with us, Red Raven? <laughs> Raven, wake up! Hi! Hello? Yes! This is the first time watching I... I liked it, but I thought it was a good movie. I didn't think I was on Batman. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Can you hear me? Your audio is like really badly stripped out. I'm here. I can hear you. I can hear you. I can hear you. Your not showing up. I can hear you, but it's like your your audio is kind of like stretched. Like it sounds like you're talking really Yeah, the audio is kind of stretched a little bit. This is the fun part of live shows, everyone. Hello. <laughs> Technical yeah, difficulties. Can you hear me now? Every time. Yeah, we can definitely hear you now. Are you Katie or or Rev or what's your name? Red Raven. Red Raven. Red Raven. Red Raven. Yeah, I thought it was a good movie, and I, I, I even though he was mean, he kind of lightens up at the end. Okay. Like, uh, you know. It, like he reunites with his 
uh, one of his past girlfriends. He gets back together with the girlfriend that he did. She doesn't know who she is and everything, and then it takes the ghosts in order for the, him to uh, remember, you know, how he, how much he really loved her. And then at the end, you know, you see them reunite, and yeah, he he kind of gets uh, nicer towards the end of the movie. He has like a transformative thing because that's kind of the point of like a Christmas Carol. Like, yeah. He becomes, yeah. A better, he becomes a better person from the experience. Right. Uh, yeah. Kind of a nice touch between, uh, like, this and, like, the traditional versions is that in the old tellings of the story, like, Scrooge's love is, like, long gone and there's no hope with that. Uh, whereas with Bill Murray's version of Scrooge, you know, things are going to be okay. Like, they're able to actually reconcile uh, rather than just having it be kind of like a, like a bittersweet, like, end point in his past. Well, you're, you're referring specifically to his relationship with Karen Allen, uh, because yeah, you're right in the in oh, yeah, traditional, yeah. Uh, yeah, in traditional uh, Christmas Carol versions, um, his his yeah. girl is forever lost to him, and I mean, I kind of prefer. I did just say that. Yes. Well, I kind of well, yeah, but I kind of prefer the fact that he had met essentially the love of his life, he made the wrong choice, and that was it, you know, it's like, I, I get that that's a more modern idea of, you know, it's never too late and all that stuff, and that may indeed be true, but I also find that the point is made a little bit better as far as uh, if you, you have to live with the choices that you make, and exactly. it can have consequences long down the road, and that's, which, okay, here's one of the things that I really didn't like, was... Well, they sp number one, they split Bob Cratchit into two characters, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it does hurt the poignancy of it in the sense that you have, uh, yeah, the whole idea with Bob Cratchit was that he's somebody who is overworked and is in danger of losing his job, and also he has this crippled child at home who's going to die, and you have one person who does lose his job and goes insane, and you have another person who's overweight, <laughs> isn't okay, really, wait. <laughs> well, but isn't right. in in fear of necessarily of losing your job. But she has this kid who is traumatized, and I guess that and is mute. And then I guess in the future he would be in a, a padded cell. I guess, which again is a little a little extreme <laughs> relative to what he supposedly went through. But then they don't. But then they don't ever. Uh, they don't ever follow through on that whole arc because that was like the whole point of. Uh, well, if you, uh, if you paid attention to the dialogue, it was like he had P PTSD. And yeah, I know that. But what I'm year. saying is that I know so that. What I'm saying that is that if things didn't improve, it would get worse, and he'd be institutionalized. That's but not at all what I'm saying, Dustin. What I'm saying is that the whole idea of. Scrooge's concern with Four Tiny Tim is that if you don't pay attention to the suffering of the youngest and weakest, then, you know, the innocent will die, or will, you know, and so, okay, fine, we have some equivalent of that, but then once he has turned, they just kind of forget about this kid, and it's like, well, that really hurts his arc, doesn't it? You know, I mean, yeah. and even his arc, uh, at, once he's transformed or whatever, he just kind of 
rambles on and on on this live telecast and everyone just absorbs it and loves it and it just i don't know he just talks like a lunatic and he doesn't really oh and, the, and i'm saying all of this knowing that bill murray can play a character who starts off really unlikable and has something extraordinary happen to him and he makes a genuine change and becomes a really nice all-around person and that movie is Groundhog Day which is a funny movie when it wants to be but it also is much truer to the spirit of A Christmas Carol even though it's not an adaptation but it's that same basic formula Let, let's hold that thought we still have two people who haven't even gotten to initial thoughts yet uh, mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to interject and say this was not my uh, first time uh, seeing this uh, film, but it was the first time I, I would have to say that I've seen it in entirety as an adult. And seeing it as, as a child, I I absolutely enjoyed uh, how crass um, Bill Murray's humor was because it was different, it was wild, it was untamed, it was... It, it, it was everything in the 80s that you can't do nowadays with, with the conservative politics that we have now. Oh, you can't say that on television! You know? Anything, you know? I mean, it, uh, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's, ever, uh, it's everything comedy could have been just unedited. The thing is, in this role, in in this role that Bill Murray has taken upon himself, he he is the meanest that you ever see him. He, he, the things he says to his employees, he's got them coward. He's he's got um, you know, I mean, who fires people on Christmas? That that kind of kind of kind of thing. The the other thing is you got the special effects of the movie. <laughs> Zombies. There's zombies in the movie. Too. There's a zombie in the movie too. Remember the one, yeah. the one zombie at, in the the first one that comes up comes to. Yeah, that would be what would be would be emulating um, Jacob Marley. Mm -hmm. in, 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 is it now? Is it now? Oh yeah, his, his old like, boss. Something, something like what? Something white yeah. comes out of his mouth. Yeah, like a golf ball, almost some golf balls. Yeah, and also, I love Cal Keith. I love Cal Keith. What were you saying? Oh, I was saying he died like on the golf course or something, and so that's why he's like dressed like he's going golfing. So, even though I consider this kind of a classic in its own right, and I can understand where Dane is coming from, from the background of film that he comes from, that he's that he's not exactly enjoying it like we have. So I do think it is a generational thing. I'm the first to say that I... Yeah, was a uh, uh, late uh, uh, born in early '90s, but that just in terms of the stuff I grew up with, I was you know late '90s, early 2000s kid, and the stuff that I watched that was older than that tended to come from you know pre uh, or like maybe '70s uh, and 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 behind that you know uh, further back in time. So like my I don't have a lot of the same kind of. 
uh, I don't view the 80s as like the Shangri-La of quality, even though there were great movies that came out in that decade, it's just like a lot of, that's, that's kind of a fallacy that people fall into is they think that the 80s was the time when, you know, everything was wonderful and perfect and, you know, they <laughs> mm-hmm. just kind of, well, they just kind of disregard everything that came before and that's, Again, not to say there weren't great films that came out. It's just like I don't have that same kind of what I would call blind reverence for that decade that a lot of people these days do. Uh, but so that's where I'm coming from. And plus, obviously, I love uh, Charles Dickens in general and that story and what it all means and stuff. And it just is a shame that, at least to me, this doesn't really do very much justice to the spirit of that story when another Bill Murray movie that isn't even an adaptation does do justice to that spirit, and I know that he as an actor can be a jerk but an entertaining to watch one who's not just so relentlessly mean and unpleasant, even though you know he is a jerk and self-obsessed and everything, he's still interesting this, to watch and not like... The point of the story. Yeah. The point of Ebenezer Scrooge is, is to show that... Uh, a, 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 his character um, was mean, was crass. I think. Yeah. point of the story. I get that. That's exactly what I mean. There, and that's what like, they did in, the, in this. And I think that's. I think that's why you just like it a little bit too much because he was too mean. Yeah, I, I, that's not even that's not even necessarily true because again I love Bad Santa um, and he's you know a truly <laughs> reprehensible person. I think it's more just like it all it's got going for it is you want to see Bill Murray be mean and unpleasant. Here you go, and we'll just kind of have a loose framework of this thing uh, to carry it through without really caring all that much about the doing justice to these themes and yeah, and it's fine he should be really mean and almost irredeemable at first it's just like that seems to be kind of what the whole movie's banking on as opposed to the 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 big arc you know cuz uh, just you know, that that's what that's what groundhog day did so well i'm going to just first impressions I'm going to stop you there, uh, there and go over to Jacob. Um, what were your uh, was this a first time watch or was uh, uh, what, what were your first impressions? This was not a first time for me. Um, kind of as Dustin said before, it's one of those films you see in bits and pieces. Although for me, it was never a prevalent one. I'd probably seen it in bits and pieces dating back to my childhood, but I, uh, I've probably seen it in its entirety three or four times. I really don't know for sure. Uh, this is the first time in a couple of years. I know that. I actually picked up a copy for Black Friday, and it's one of the reasons I voted for this movie, but <laughs> didn't any excuse to watch it. But um, I have to say, honestly, for me, I fall in the middle. I think, uh, actually, Dane, you'll be happy to know I agree with a lot of your points. I don't agree with all of them. I am a huge fan of Bill Murray, but I do believe he was way over the top in this movie. Way over the top. I think he could have done the role beautifully. And I read a couple things in the background that may be part of the reason why 
one being that he was at that point in his career ambivalent about acting, and he's always been eccentric about acting, but he apparently was thinking about quitting. And apparently he did not get along at all with Richard Donner. And he quit it. He felt like Donner kept going louder, louder, louder. And he, 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 he quit. He thought Donner was deaf or something. <laughs> and um, I, I, I think that the, the disconnect between them, the fact that they didn't get along so well and they had clashing styles, might have been part of the reason why the movie feels like a hot mess most of the time. Um, and it does. I would admit, I like Scrooge, but I feel like it feels like a hot mess. It does not feel like a, a coherent movie the way most of Bill Murray's movies do for me. Uh, and I do feel, I agree wholeheartedly, even though I like Carol Kane, and I like the idea that the Ghost of Christmas Present was against type, she irritated the hell out of me, too. Let me be clear, even if you didn't agree with me, I, you know, that wouldn't, I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad you, you do, I'm glad that you do concur on things, but it's like, even if you didn't, that'd be fine, but, um, the, uh, I think what you were saying with Bill Murray not getting along with Richard Donner, that is definitely there, and I can, I can tell that I felt like his performance was really over exaggerated was way over exaggerated uh, which again that role and that basic framework doesn't require that to work again case in point Groundhog Day I keep I hate to keep banging that drum but it's like but he did it so well like he was just mean enough just you know, interesting enough to watch while still infusing it with real humanity. And part of that is because the script is, it, it's there on the page. It exists on the page. And so when it's there on the page, the actor can do it. Um, but, and that's, that was the other thing. Apparently, I did some research on this, but um, one of the screenwriters really dismissed the film saying that what was on the page was so much funnier than what ended up in the movie. And that happens sometimes when certain people just don't know how to translate this material from the page to the screen, through the director, through the star, and how all that stuff, you know, goes together. Um, and there's, so that's, that's kind of how I came across, is that there's a lot of just not communicating how this thing should work. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would have been more effective if Murray had gone... A little bit more like what he does with his Wes Anderson films, where he tends to almost underplay the role. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. He's like a corporate executive. Some of the things he says and does, if he had done them with just a completely... Like Robert Mitchum's role as his boss. Mitchum says some totally insane stuff with a completely straight face, and it comes across beautifully. And... There's some nice performances in here too. Well, you're you're absolutely right about his performances in Wes Anderson films and like that. Well, that that plus uh, his work in Lost in Translation, those prove what a great actor he really can be. And he's a really good underplayer, and that tends to translate to good film acting because film is a much more subtle acting medium than say the stage in here he kind of overplays it way too much and that hurts the dramatic thrust of his arc 
towards the end, especially when he's just as screaming and over the top as he is before, and it just kind of doesn't translate as well as you'd want it to, even though Bill Murray, at his best, right. tends to underplay things beautifully. Even in something like Ghostbusters, which is a comedy, I think people love his character so much because he is so laid back and so not ruffled by anything, even right. stuff that he should be ruffled by. There's another more... Okay. Another illustration of kind of playing it, almost underplaying just the right amount. Like Brandon said, we watched The Man Who Invented Christmas to, to, to prepare for this in, in some ways. And that one, of course, was about the writing of A Christmas Carol. And it, and it posits that Dickens would actually talk with the characters. And Christopher Palmer plays Scrooge in that one. And he just beautifully plays the character, just underplays it. Like he's rough and he, you know, but he, he doesn't overplay it. And just the things it does are so riveting and so mean that they're <laughs> hilarious because of the way he does it. And I thought yeah. that would have been an interesting direction to go. Um, it would have been a completely different movie, but it, you know, may, may or may not have been bad for that. Um, yeah. Well, I, I agree with you there. And, uh, you know, the, the, well, it's funny you say that about, uh, he talks to his characters and stuff. They actually say, uh, as a writer, they say for you, the writer, to, as an exercise, sometimes it's good, it's a good idea to talk to your characters, hear their voices in your head, make sure that they all sound distinct, um, you know, or sometimes they say interview your characters, you know, same kind of thing. Make sure that they all sound like they are their own people. So that's that's kind of funny you say that. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, I just beliefs. Even though, like what Dustin was saying, was that you know the story is overdone, and it is. It definitely is. Uh, but the reason why it's overdone is because it is a classic story. It does yeah. work on the page. It does work on the page. Uh, you know, on the in the written word, on the screenplay page. You know, whatever you want to say it. Um, and it should not have to require that much tinkering to get it to work. <laughs> at least, not to me. Uh, and I feel like there were a lot of cooks in the kitchen, and it is very evident. Now, now on the positive side, I do think that the uh, makeup with the Jacob Marley equivalent and the Ghost of Christmas Future, that that all worked really well. Yeah. Uh, it did kind of work well for something that would be a horror movie, uh, which, again, in the 80s, a lot of that kind of comedy horror blending without a clear audience for it, you know, like with Gremlins and stuff, like that was definitely prevalent uh, in that time period. But, uh, you know, that that was really nice, although I will say that then, by contrast, we had the uh, It Goes to Christmas Present, whose outfit looked very perhaps deliberately phony, I don't know. I don't know if it was meant to be just sort of like, a, almost like a dollar store Christmas angel that came to life, almost. That was, that was the gag, I was pretty sure, yeah. There's some prize, yeah. surprises in here, that uh, surprise cameos in here, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was, uh, well, there was not cameos, but there was, like, you know, Cal Kane, which I really love. 
and the great performances, great stars, you know, uh, Bill Murray, I love Bill Murray's stuff, and I love Carol Kane, I actually met Carol Kane, actually, oh. I, uh, you know, my, my mom's, my mom's cousin, my, I have a cousin, that's my, on my mom's side, that actually knows her, and I went to, I met her at a fundraiser, and she signed my When a Stranger Calls DVD. Very cool. Uh, and if I actually about appearances and performances, it's worth noting that John Houseman, who was the narrator for the live production, uh, this was his last completed role, I believe. I think he appeared in one movie that came out after this, but the film came out a month after his death, and this is like a swan song, essentially. So it was an interesting way to go out. You know. Who died in this? John, oh, John Houseman, the, the narrator of the, the production. Oh, I did a great job. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's. Uh, oh, there are worse ways to go out, definitely. Yeah. And he, he, did, he did do a great job acting as that character in this <laughs> film. No. Yes. Now that everyone has gotten their first impressions, mm -hmm. I figured I'd ask about that first scene of that Santa Claus in the movie and then work our way over the <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that. <laughs> 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 Originally, I was going uh, to uh, say in the beginning of our uh, thing, so, uh, so let's start out. Uh, 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 we're going to watch The Night the Reindeer Died. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was a great scene to start out with. And then they, they also kept going to those multiple programs throughout, like Father Loves Beaver, which I didn't get as a There's some weird commercials in there, too. Yeah. Of course, the majors of the $6 million ma man had to go up because at that point in time, he was still desperately seeking roles. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, hey, you got Ash vs. Evil Dead, right? I mean, it only took 30 years, but... Well, yeah, what's, what's interesting is that that very beginning with uh, Night the Reindeer Died, like, I would rather be watching that movie. Uh, but I've never seen that. Is it good? Well, no, it's not a real. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It sounds cheesy. What is that? It's out of the movie? It's the very beginning of this film. It's it's our film. In, in Scrooge, in the very beginning, you're watching a trailer for an action film. Where wow. It's called Scrooge. Well, the, uh, yeah, Scrooge. Uh, okay, so Bill Murray, Bill, Bill Murray's character is, instead of instead of just like a banker like Scrooge's in the classic story, he runs a, he's the president of like a TV network, and the movie opens with him sitting at a board meeting watching like trailers yeah. for the upcoming holiday lineup, and that... Uh, that quick, like, Santa Claus action movie Lee Majors thing is one of the trailers that he watches. So he watches that and a few other things, and then it kind of cuts to him and lets us know that... They're promos. You know, on a screen, exactly. Yeah. That, that moment when Mrs. Claus is yelling, Let's get him! And they all start grabbing the weapons. What do they have, those? I, I almost wonder if Weird Al on his Bad Hair Day album uh, was... Well, Lady, no. I'm I'm crazy. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite, it's quite <laughs> awesome. Yeah, 
quite possible. That's that's one of my favorites of his. I was actually thinking that that thing would be on the soundtrack. I love Weird Al too. <laughs> yeah, he's he's uh, one of my idols. But um, it, what's funny is actually, if we're talking about favorite bits, I did like I said, I did like everything with the Ghost Christmas Future. Uh, but I I did think that that opening, the opening trailers there. Uh, were probably the funniest just because there the tone is very clearly established as a satire and it that and that's that's kind of the at least the, the that part of the movie is the tone's pretty clear it gets less clear from that point on what the tone's supposed to be but like it i do like the the satirical tone of those trailers especially with like <laughs> father loves beaver and stuff like that like there's <laughs> They might have the Christ exploitation trailers. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, well, what I liked about it was that it, it does have a satirical tone to it, and it does kind of remind me of like, something like you'd see in, like, Natural Born Killers or something. Or like, uh, or like yeah. Grindhouse. Yeah, it's like, I, I do feel like, had the movie taken that tone and just stuck with it all the way through, then it would have succeeded a little better. And I think it was trying to do that. I just don't think it fully got that, you know. I think but that was the original tone. Well, and it's, it was trying to... But the other thing is that, okay, if you do stick with that tone, then you cannot have your cake and eat it too, in the sense that, like, <laughs> you know, you, you try to be... have this great transformative classic story within the confines of what is ostensibly a cynical kind of postmodern satire film. Like, those two things don't quite work together. It's really the, the comedic dark humor that uh, Bill Murray brings to the table in this film is not unlike that of, uh, uh, of what Robin Williams puts forth on the set of Mark and Mindy. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um... Here you've got a wild, wildly rambling comedian uh, who evidently was let loose on Christmas holiday in this movie because I don't think I don't think what he was saying was entirely written down in the script. No, he added a lot. He added a lot. It definitely comes across as having been ad-libbed because mm -hmm. in that whole ending, just meltdown, he tends to say a lot of the same things over and over again. It just is like, okay, well, wrap it up. In the context of the moment, it's supposed to be like really heartfelt and earnest. Like it's coming from him, like on the spot. Like I mean, I think it works perfectly. Well, that, I, I mean, it, it it does feel. I mean, stop and think about it. Like in that context, instead of just like, ugh, fuck this movie, like at every, at every analysis point, you know? <laughs> well, that um, isn't at all what I'm doing, Dustin. I mean, you would know that if you paid attention to my arguments here, but <laughs> the, um, I guess the, well, I think that the thing is that it, uh, feels, uh, a little bit like, almost like a mental breakdown rather than like, uh, Epiphany, and again, that's kind of subjective. I mean, one could one could argue that uh, Scrooge's big arc, you know, in its own weird way, one could make a st an argument that that's kind of a mental breakdown of its own, depending on how the actor chooses to play it. Um, you know, let's take a look at the character of Christmas uh, uh, Past. 
Uh, Tabby is pretty cool. He looks like he belongs <laughs> in Ghostbusters 2, though, doesn't he? Uh, yeah. I, I grew up with him on Mashed, uh, or Mashed, Mashed, the television sh uh, show. I he played playing that. Playing that. He played a character called Rizzo. Rizzo. Oh. Yeah, so I'm I knew he looked familiar. Uh, so, uh, so seeing him in this role, um, I never uh, seen Mash. Yeah, I've seen it. I wonder if it had anything to do with them getting Jamie Farr for a cameo. <laughs> well, in any case, a cigar smoking uh, New York caviest, I thought, mm -hmm. uh, thought was a perfect. It, uh, he played the perfect personage of a New York caviest, at least to me. Because uh, over the top was needed for him. <laughs> I agree. Speaking of Caddy, was it Bill Murray and Caddy Shack also? Uh, yeah. Yeah. He did a great performance in that, too, mm -hmm. actually. And the, uh, yeah. also in the scene yeah. of the, uh, the original ghost was a nod to that, obviously, yeah. The, uh, I didn't even think about, about that. Uh, what about, what did we think about his, his partner, or his boss, actually, because it wasn't his partner. It was, it was well done for the most part. That scared me. They had good nasty effects in this. For, like, yeah, they did. Really I, mean, I, I thought that, that uh, him... Didn't he throw a golf ball at his head? And, or was that a different ghost? He threw a golf ball at uh, uh, someone's head. And, and then it went through his head. And then it went through his head and then a mouse came out. Yeah. Mouse, rats came out. Uh, I think it was a rat, not a mouse. I think because a mouse is like more like with, with like bigger ears, and this more like had like you know like 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 smaller ears than a big than bigger ears. And what's interesting is that, that, that he wanted to get that Christmas mouse on the yeah. set. Yeah, Christmas mouse. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he said, the, the, the <laughs> antlers together. Staple the antlers to the mouse. And yeah, antlers. Yeah, that followed the whole insane feat from Robert Mitchum's character, where well, I think actually was the studio president, where he was talking about like how we needed to capture the market share of cats and dogs by doing more pet-friendly programming. I just the whole that was great, and they was talking about new lights on the screen, so that was. You were talking about earlier about that delivery, about trying to deliver something that's just over the top like that in a more serious manner. Yeah, he did a funny because he did that right. Yeah, he he did a good job of delivering that kind of absurdity in a subdued fashion, which what's funny though is that, and I, I would assume that this is before these channels existed but I was, I was hearing that and I was thinking, well, nowadays we have Animal Planet, we have National, we have National Geographic we have, you know, these ostensibly animal channels and surely, uh, you know any animals that we're watching they get something out of that if they can comprehend what they're seeing <laughs> And I can definitely do it because cats will watch television. Birds. They also watch television too. Well, I uh, I have a I have a guinea pig, and when we're watching Christmas movies, he actually gets up on top of his house and watches the screen. I'm not kidding. So you know, I can definitely well, I can definitely attest to that. Um, not necessarily because of pet related things, but. Uh, 
you know, it's down in the light. I'm, I'm sure. I mean, it's probably giving him some kind of mental stimulation. He doesn't no. comprehend what he's saying, but it's still. <laughs> now let's take a look at um, Karen Allen's character as the love interest in the story. What do we think about her character? I always liked her character. Uh, I loved actually. Oh, I did want to touch on something you said earlier, Dean, before I'd forget it. Uh, it was really early on about having her uh, ha not be totally gone. It brings me back to something I, I was listening to when we were watching The uh, Man Who Invented Christmas, where they were talking about Tiny Tim and then uh, Charles Dickens' original concept. I don't know whether it was real or not, but the concept in the movie is like, well, I just got to kill him off. I mean, you can't have him live. Because if Tiny Tim lives, it doesn't hammer it home. But then, of course, they change that to add an element of hope to the story. And I think that she embodies hope just in general as a character. Just that person that is there, that person that has the heart, uh, that person that was really kind of uh, his, a part of his soul that uh, he had left behind. And that's that's a good, it is a good point. And they well in the absence of them not really fleshing out the Tiny Tim equivalent all that much, then they needed some other force in there to give that kind of redemptive aspect to the Scrooge character's arc. And that's how they did it, it was by allowing him to have a second chance with her. And in that mold. Uh, Karen Allen did a good job as that kind of character. Um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing that he could get back with his lost love or whatever. Uh, I know that on the page, having Scrooge lose his the love of his life because of his greediness and having it the pain stay with him, you know, that provides a good solid bedrock for him then to learn that the small choices affect people's lives in a pretty profound way and so then seeing Tiny Tim you know in, well, whatever he has like, uh, I, I never really yeah, I well, that, no, uh, Tiny Tim in the original story I forget exactly what he had but the point is that you know, the little, little things little actions that you take have big consequences and in that, that case Tiny Tim was not his family or his, you know, family to be, but, uh, you know, he, his actions was, his actions were able to make up for the mistakes of the past, and they kind of get that point home by doing it the other way, um, and I guess it's a little bit more of a modern idea that you could reconnect with someone that you lost touch with all those years ago, because we do have phones, and we do have you know, planes with which to travel and all. And, of course, nowadays we have social media, so you can just look up your ex on Facebook. But, yeah. so, I mean, I can definitely get... I can see what they were, I can see what they were getting yeah. out there. Yeah. For, for, my, for uh, my two cents on the thing, uh, I think the, uh, the idea of having her around the weakest part of it probably is that in the end, the Scrooge character in this one is almost fully absolved. In this one, I agree with the idea that it really blunts the satirical element of the film, because mm -hmm. Scrooge pretty much doesn't, he's not in any way punished for his behavior. He is completely rewarded for it. 
And I don't know, I think he, maybe he comes out too much on top at the end. And I yeah. know the original story, he kind of does, but the fact that he lost his love kind of, maybe that was hit the price he paid, you know. But, yeah, I, well, I, I agree. And plus, plus the fact that, uh, you know, in uh, the original story, he has a whole lot more... Uh, redeeming to have to do um, as far as uh, his nephew and his nephew's wife and mm -hmm. Bob Cratchit's wife, Bob Cratchit himself. I mean, he's got a lot of explaining to do, pretty much, as far as, you know, the stuff he has to fess up to. Now, granted, when, he ha uh, when this guy has his mental breakdown on TV, they're kind of trying to get cross all that stuff off all at one time in one scene, and... It does lose some of its uh, personal nature because it's done over television and not in person, not on a personal level, uh, and it's done in the form of what is ostensibly a mental breakdown on live television. So, and you're absolutely right. I do feel like he gets rewarded and doesn't have to have gone through that much punishment to earn that redemption and earn our sympathies, you know, so I, I do uh, think that's a very good uh, point as far as character development goes, and that's, again, why not fully fleshing out your Tiny Tim equivalent ultimately hurts the uh, redemptive aspects of the story if those are indeed things that you're wanting to preserve. If you're wanting to just go for a full-on satire, then do that, you know, and that seems to be where it was going at first, and it just kind of lost its way. That's kind of funny, like, I just bought the Vinegar Syndrome Blood Rage, and whenever you guys say Tiny Tim, like, that's what I'm thinking of, because Tiny Tim... Oh, that's like, a good movie, Blood the Rage. Guy with the weird voice was in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Tiny Tim, the child! Did you get the video release? And I'm just, like, looking over there and, like, seeing, like, this blood-covered clown. <laughs> that's a video yeah. release? Oh anyway, yeah, um, Vinegar Syndrome just put it out on Blu-ray. Oh, they did. Yeah, we actually we actually interviewed the director who uh, was yeah, not happy that Vinegar Syndrome Wait. released this. Uh, I love that movie. I have the Arrow video released. Uh, the one you know, the the one with the hand, like the the Arrow video one. Oh no, Blood Harvest. I'm sorry, Blood Harvest. There are so many things with blood in them. Like it's just everywhere. Well, Blood Harvest. That's another one I want to see too. I'm totally wrong. I love. I thought you were talking about Blood Rage. Blood Rage is a great movie. You saw that, right? I, I didn't see that. I said Blood Rage because I got confused. So that's big. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what's funny is uh, I I do like Tiny Tim the musician and he kind of. Facially, he kind of looks like uh, Weird Al mixed with yeah, Danny DeVito. Yeah, that's the movie. I, I love well, that movie. Well, he looks like Weird Al mixed with Danny DeVito's Penguin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I want to see that. That, that movie, I want to. I want to see that movie. <laughs> Lightning, dude! Damn. Blood, that, oh, no. that looks really cool. Blood Harvest. I have Blood Rage. The movie I, is the movie I have. That's the one. I. That's the. That's a movie I want to see though. Blood Harvest. <laughs> well, that'll be uh, that'll be my viewing tonight as I finish up my finals. Cool. So, I like uh, your mask. Thank you. When we wrap, uh, I'm gonna Jason. check out Terrifier. Oh my god, the mask is amazing. What? Is that is that Jason? Yeah, it's Jason. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's a custom one I had someone make for me. 
Oh, that's yeah. so cool. Did he, did he have to pay someone to make that? It was not cheap. <laughs> and for those who are wondering about the icon I have, I actually made the icon myself. Oh, you do that? Mm. Very I, I, yep, I am. Um, well, basically about me, though. I love movies, too. I'm actually watching it right now. Oh, my God. What are you watching, babe? Very, oh. Scrooge. Um, babe, oh babe would you like Scrooge. Are you watching Scrooge? Yes. Yeah. Oh, cool. How do you like it? It's cool. <laughs> you like it? I love it. <laughs> I love it. Just watch it while we while we do the live show. Slightly more organized. Is it Bill Murray? Is it Bill Murray an asshole, Lisa? It, oh yeah. What have we been talking about for the past hour? Speaking of characters, what do we think about the Wait, 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 I didn't uh, notice. I didn't notice his his character in the movie. Yeah, he was the guy who got fired, and uh, it came back and started shooting at him. Uh, oh, that was, was him. Yeah, oh, no. I I didn't recognize. I didn't realize that was him. He was so young in this movie. Well, I recognized him. Well, believe it or not, this is uh, after uh, Police Academy. So, yeah. Um. So this weekend was Adam Green's podcast, The Movie Crypt's 48-hour, like, dog rescue marathon thing. Um, and one of the guests they had on was Bobcat Goldthwait, so I had... I probably wouldn't have recognized him as quickly as I did if I hadn't listened to him, like, talk for two hours on Sunday. Very distinctive voice. <laughs> <laughs> I actually consider Bobcat Goldthwait one of my uh, guilty pleasures as somebody that I enjoy watching. Uh... And also, I enjoy his directions of films. Uh, what was that film? It was the one about, like, uh, like going around just America. shooting killing people. Of, killing of America? But, uh... He did, uh, he did Fix the Clown, which yeah. was good, and he did uh, the found footage Bigfoot movie Willow Creek, which was really good. As far as him in this film, though, uh, to me... Uh, as much as I, I love this film, I am willing to admit, like, faults, even things I actually love. And to this, I thought he was probably one of the weakest sections, because he did come across as basically the character he established himself as. He started off very strong at first, because he went against type at first, but then afterwards he basically just played Bobcat Goldthwait, and I felt like... I almost felt like uh, uh, his character really wasn't needed. They could have used uh, that really to shore up more on the uh, secretary and uh, Tiny Tim's uh, the Tiny Tim's uh, surrogate story. Yeah, uh, well, that, that was the, that was the big disadvantage about splitting uh, Bob Cratchit into two characters is that you know you lose was well, it's, it's literally it's like you dealing with half a person for you know split one half for one aspect of that person the other aspect uh for the tiny tim thing um and let's also not forget that um the whole idea of uh deranged uh disgruntled employee shooting his boss doesn't quite 
that kind of humor doesn't quite in that particular thing doesn't in that way doesn't quite gel in our current age of it didn't age, age so great yeah yeah, yeah. The age of uh mass I mean, shooting i still laugh day. but you know when you stop yeah. and think about it it's kind of like oh, oh man yeah that, that god bless really america well. that was the movie yeah. <laughs> that was the killing of america now let's talk about Carol Kane's uh, uh, character. I, uh, for some reason, I was hysterically laughing through her part, uh, through uh, through and through, because it's like uh, it's like she said uh, 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 to him. Sometimes you just need someone to slap you in the face with it. And, uh, and to, to me, that's like she was like every time she hit him and flicked his ears, and you know, it, it, it was just comical. It was just the way, and to, and to add to it, her voice was annoying. Yeah, added to it. To, uh, she always has that voice. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I thought it worked fine. I know your problem was. I, I think it worked fine too. She plays that fair. She plays a. Uh, that's how she plays. She plays like a fairy, right? Uh, she plays like a Christmas present, like a, like a ghost, like a, a, a like a ghost fairy. Yeah, the fairy I was watching. It, it, she. It was like, like it was so to me. Like she was pretty fun. She watching it. Um, Oh my gosh, she just, this, 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 she's so over the top. Yeah, she's over the top. And, she, um, and I love, she, like, where he meets, he meets, he meets his other ghost, he, he's like, it's a part, you'd be a pretty color, I'll tell you that, I'm up to that, I'm up to that part, mm -hmm. where he meets, like, Herman, to meet Herman. Oh yeah, Herman, I, I remember Herman. Yeah, yeah, that's where I'm up to. And I actually, I actually like it. I actually, it does take, it does like it take, does have, ugh. it does have the Christmas Carol. And as like people said, the story's been overdone, but I, I like this one. It's like unique in its own way. You know what I mean? It's unique. And Bill Murray, yeah, uh, he, he is a jerk. Sorry, <laughs> but I mean, it's a fine story. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and here's here's something kind of weird. So this this homeless guy that we only get to see in like one scene prior to this, you know, they establish that whole dialogue with they think he's Richard Burton, which is a little random, and then later on we see him frozen to death in the New York sewer, mm -hmm. and it's like, is that supposed to? Which again, uh, the Tiny Tim character has something happen to him. It's not death, but it's institutionalization. Uh, but it's like, is this supposed to fill our character who dies quota, or is that just kind of there? Uh, you know, it, that didn't quite. It's supposed to be what happens to him, like when he's on the street. You know? Yeah, I know. But again, they don't go institutionalized to some people is. But because he turned out he died. A form of death. I mean, to me, it, 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 going into an institution for life is kind of a death. Yeah. I mean, knowing... Yeah. Yeah. If, if he does go in for life, which, I mean, as far as we know, that's about that's about what happens, but they don't extrapolate on that. We're supposed that. to have an imagination yeah. about what happens. They need more drugs. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, they don't even have the imagination what exactly happens uh, uh, in between. Uh, but they give the uh, they give the impression that uh, that he was institutionalized because of the uh, the shit that happened to him. Like maybe yeah. maybe he went off kilter and and killed someone or something like that. That uh, uh, yeah. really traumatized him so much that uh, that he couldn't be in public. So. Well, I guess I guess yeah. my point is that you know Tiny Tim in the original story dies, and this kid doesn't. He's institutionalized. So then, instead of him dying, we have this homeless guy that we only saw for one scene. He freezes to death in the sewer, and I assume that that's supposed to try and hit home what Tiny Tim originally meant, the idea that the little things that you don't do have big consequences, but just ne neither the Tiny Tim equivalent nor the homeless guy get fully followed up upon. So again, it's kind of splitting. They just kill Tiny Tim the movie sucks. That's not at all what I'm saying. You know, you're, you know, I think the was continually missing the point the here. The important <laughs> it's just a joke. <laughs> so how, how would Christmas Carol have been if uh, they had decided to go through with it and say, no matter what you do, even if you're redeemed, Ty Tim still dies? I wonder how that would have changed things if they had decided to keep it that way. What would have been less popular? It might have been less popular, but again, uh, that, that goes along with what you're saying, uh, Dana, is that, you know, that could have, again, I hit home on that same thing, saying that even if you change, some things will never go well, it would be, it would be a Well, it would be a different thing, because, I mean, I think that they already, the original story already hits that home with his true love having left, and so then after he is redeemed, he does choose to take a small action that has a large consequence on the positive side, so I, I think it it services his arc. I still feel like uh, if you get institutionalized, that is still a form of death. Yeah, I think it's just a, I think it hits just as hard as killing the character. Why do you, why do you think that oh, yeah. many people who are older and elderly don't want to be put in a home because the next step is death, and they don't want to be in a in a home not taking care of their own responsibilities, if you do that, that takes away the will for some people to live. And in, in a sense, that is a form of death. That, that's yeah. what I'm saying, is that being institutionalized equals death in some, in some cases. Well, and back in those days, uh, speaking from somebody who actually has worked in the field, uh, Back in those days, uh, institutionalization might as well have been a life sentence, even if it wasn't. Even if you were someone who could recover once you went in, and especially if you're a person of color, you would. Uh, it was pretty much a life sentence. That was their way of getting rid of those people who were less desirable. Um, and if you couldn't adapt, you would be trapped there. Wasn't this the first adaptation that uh, that uh, used? Uh, the character of Bob Cratchit as, as someone who was a person of color. Well, yeah, I like what they did. Oh. I don't know. Maybe. Probably. I don't know. Hmm. Um, real quick thought, though, um, back on the whole idea with, with Herman. I will admit it was a little bit distracting to me, too. I was like, this is out of nowhere. But so it may have just been a, a fundamental flaw in how they put it together. 
but I think it, it was a great, they probably intended it as a specific illustration of what Claire does and what the difference she makes. And that might have been hitting home for him, but she keeps putting her goal is unimportant, then people will freeze to death in the sewer, you know. So that's kind of, it, it makes sense for him understanding her, but the way it's put together in the movie, it kind of seems out of nowhere. It does. Yeah, you have to kind of think to get that. I didn't get, get that. that. I didn't get why he was freeze to death in the sewer in the first place. Like, why? Well, that's a bit, there was a bit of problem he there. Met, <laughs> he, met, he met these characters of homeless people in the shelter that, uh, that is, uh, is Claire. Uh, uh, was actually. Like, I didn't think that was necessary. What, what, what were we saying? Um, well, um, he met these three homeless um, characters that kind of reminded me, like, of maybe that scene that uh, that uh, you, you see of uh, the, uh, the homeless people, people uh, going and selling his his uh, his belongings after he's dead. You know, in in previous adaptations. So in the yeah. sense. That kind of reminds me of, you know, that kind of, you know, character setting. But um, I think that the freezing down in the, uh, the sewers is more or less kind of a humanity problem. It kind of meant to demonstrate what happens when you don't demonstrate charity or, like, sympathy for other people. Well, yeah. I said, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, like, you know, they're going to melt, you know, like, you know, if you don't... Well, in reality, if uh, people are going to die, if you don't respect them, you know, you know they're going to, they're going to not, they're going to, something's going to happen to them, like, you know, they're going to, so, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. With birds. Uh. So, so the, it's like, you know, uh, the death will be upon you, you or something like that. Exactly. I think that, I think. Yeah, I think that's a message across saying, like, if you, there's, like, in life, how people are, are going to respect you back. I mean, yeah, you respect, you respect, treat others the way you treat, you, you treat, you treat others the way you be treated. Like, how's that saying go? I mean, as he went out the door of that, um, that, um, treat others the way you be treated. That, yeah. hotel, uh, that food kitchen, so to speak. Um, which is pretty much what it was. It was a food kitchen. Um, and uh, as he went out the door, the, uh, the same character was sitting there, and he asked for change. And, uh, and he, he said, I'm sorry, whatever he said. You know, um, uh, that kind of set up that moment of, of freezing because, because he didn't help him. He didn't help him with money. He didn't give him money. Because he didn't help him out. That's what happened to him afterwards. Yeah, and and he was still yelling at him, even though he was he was he was there fro sitting there frozen. He was still screaming at him. He was like, "Why are you listening to me? What is wrong with you?" You know, like. <laughs> in any case, uh, moving on to uh, the, um, what what do we think about the character? Of uh, the f uh, future, uh, the future ghost. I think to be it was pretty rad. Fair like, though, he had great design. Like I mean, especially that joke um, when they introduce him, 
So, like, he sees, like, their crummy, like, Ghost of Christmas Future that they have for the production they're putting on of A Christmas Carol. So there's, there's kind of, like, a meta thing in there where he's like, ah! And it's like, oh, it's just, you know, the guy in the costume. And then, like, when he meets the real the guy in the costume, he's like, I mean, what's going on? And, and like, looks under the robe, and there are just, like, tortured souls in the ribcage, and he's just, like, staring at it, and it's like, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably my favorite moment in the movie. <laughs> so those, those tortured I mean, souls, I think, are supposed to be ignorance and want from the, uh, uh, you know, the original story. Like, uh, one of them has, like, a claw for a hand uh, in the original story. And here, they're, like, because in, in the, in the uh, original story, they come out of the robe of the Ghost of Christmas present uh, and here they're entrapped inside of the Ghost of Christmas Future, which is kind of a deep, neat way to do it. Um, oh, yeah. And their their design was sufficiently scary, and that's I always look forward to the Ghost of Christmas Future in any adaptation mm-hmm. because that he's supposed to be the scary one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. It's like pretty much I like the symbolism behind the Christmas of Future the Christmas too because it's pretty. Pretty much, I kind of, it's going to give you karma later in life, saying, like, hey, for example, like, if you're not nice to these people, like, right now, then have, have these close respect and know you for, for a good person. Like, as the, as, um, as you were, I always look forward to any adaptation to can Christmas you speak a little closer to your mic? Of future. Sorry, can you, sorry, can you guys? You're cutting in and out. Uh, could you speak closer to your mic? Sorry. But <laughs> 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 pretty much, uh, I always look forward to that in, in the adaptation as well because it basically symbolizes your few. Well, pretty much symbolizes like your. No, you don't know what's gonna happen to you. So it's like I your like ultimate fate if you're if you're a bad person. Yeah, exactly. Fate is good. I mean, like the Ghost but... of Christmas Future is always portrayed as like the Grim Reaper, and yeah. that's basically what we get. Uh-huh. Well, and in the original 1935 like, adaptation, he's just a shadow. So yeah. and in there, um, shadow, just and... a shadow. Sorry. <laughs> and in here, satellite. Oh, sorry. Uh, for design in it, and it, it, it's scary. But then again, mm-hmm. like, future is scary. We don't know. We don't know what our fate is. We improve, like, until we are super good people. We get make a future. If it's bad, you're gonna get a grim reaper con. If you, if you get what I mean. Oh yeah, so, most definitely. In some of the other adaptations, the grim reaper shows him like hell. So I mean, that's that's. More or less what we're trying to get at. And even the scene when uh, I'm up to where the uh, the the third ghost of Chris, the ghost of Christmas Future comes up and it is and it is scary that um has to face like a demon being like, Is this what you want? Yep. Yeah, pretty much before <sighs> before this happens to you. So, so it's scary, but again, and though, for now, make ourselves better people than predicting, like, oh, no, oh, and I'm going to throw so much nigga where, yeah, so, 
think the Girls of Christmas Future is definitely an important any adaptations of Christmas Carol, but looking at this right now, sorry. and I can definitely see why. Definitely see why. Oh yeah, uh, I you can know? definitely see why, uh, why, why, why too. I mean, I love the, that part where the, the claw just comes out of the uh, the, uh, the TV, and it's this massive oh, arm that, that uh, comes out towards him, and I, I can just imagine. You know what they what they would have had to do to do that uh, kind of effect. I'm assuming that they made a massive puppet arm. This would be scary for kids, probably, to watch. Like a puppet. Uh, I've seen enough effects at this point that I can somewhat tell. (laughs) I would say this is a a movie not for like you know for kids like probably like you have to be probably at least thirteen. Well, yeah, PG thirteen, the right rating. Because, like, you know, I can see why it's PG-13. If you were, like, four, if you were, like, four, the Ghost of Christmas Future would be a little much, I think, for, for some it kids. It would be, it would be, because this would scare little kids. You'll definitely get nightmares in three seconds. Yeah, because it, it has a horror, um, has horror, uh, horror, uh, horror elements to it. Um, what, uh, what did we think about the music to the film? Well, I did want to add one thing before we moved on to the music yeah. about the Ghost of Christmas Future, which was the way that they ended it, uh, which was a very different take, because usually they just show you the open grave, maybe push them in, but oh, that's about all it is in a lot of these takes. But this one, they actually uh, had him... Yeah, they put him in the coffin, right? Yeah, and uh, it has uh, multiple uh, multiple connotations. Uh, not just uh, uh, him being uh, him watching his body burn, but also the symbolism spiritually of burning for what he uh, what he has done. The only the only adaptation that I have liked as much is in Mickey's Christmas Carol, where they actually know, right? combine the two <laughs> concepts of burning and in the grave. But uh, to me, it was probably one of the more powerful messages uh, that was sent at that time. Because to me, I feel like in the other adaptations, it's sort of like, oh, I die, and nobody's there to mourn me. Yeah. That, that's, that's the whole message they're trying to ship through, but or, uh, that's not the whole message, and I felt like that drove it home very clearly. You guys remember the Flintstones, the Flintstones Christmas well, one, uh, where it's like... Like, the thieves that have, like, robbed uh, his house, like, after he dies. And it's just, just like, you took his curtains with him just lying there? Yep, got his blanket, too. He more needed to keep him warm where he's going. <laughs> <laughs> Probably I like the that. song they did in Magoo's Christmas Carol for that. <laughs> I have to watch that one, yeah. I think, I think oh. the most faithful adaptation I've seen is the, um... Alistair Night- Sim. Well, that, the yeah. Alistair Sim one, but also the uh, 1999 uh, one with Patrick Stewart that was on uh, TNT. They tend to play it that a was, lot. Cool. I prefer the Muppets, honestly. I prefer the Muppets to that one. I felt like the Patrick Stewart one was a bit dry, but it was watchable, definitely. Well, it, was, it was very faithful the to, the, to was the book. I prefer the Alistair Sim one uh, because there's an element of ghostly presence in there that is uh, definitely more scary. Uh, 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 I mean, in that adaptation, uh, in the, uh, where, where when the ghost of uh, uh, ghost of future 
uh, uh, comes uh, comes about about he shows him his actual body uh, and it and it goes into an element of you know some of the, uh, some of Jacob Marley's past that you don't uh, really you don't see and you know he shows him some spirits that uh, that are out and about about that are that haven't fulfilled their goals. Uh, yeah, that's that's the Patrick Stewart one has that too. It's got like a big trail of these really creepy ghosts like ascending into the night sky and all these ghosts that are cursed to watch the people that they could have helped in their lives and they chose not to and I don't know, there's that's that's good stuff right there. I think it's a wonderful life explained it pretty well. You ever see okay. that movie? No. I have never seen that. Uh, Surprisingly, wow. that's, a, that's a classic. That's a classic. That's, that is the Christmas movie. If, if you can only ever see one, that is the one. <laughs> it's one of the best movies ever made. It is a Christmas well, movie. That, that, that can be, uh, be see, uh, seen any time of the year, actually. Yeah, I know. It's on every year. It was on a few we, few days yeah. ago. <laughs> it's, uh, that, that director's work had a lot of similarities in many of the films that he had done. But yeah, uh, still cap, very yeah. well done, uh, well done director. Though the themes were the same, uh, I do agree that it's a classic. Mm-hmm. That's one we should definitely talk about, probably in the maybe the next year. One more it, char- uh, character that I wanted to uh, talk it about. It reminds me of the uh, the more the thing from Moral Oral, like the, oh, the people, the religious people, like the, oh, yes. the theater playing "It's a Wonderful Life." Every, and they got like the picket signs and the chant. Every time you hear a bell, another angel burns in hell. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. the best what do we think about the uh the brother's character uh in here um he's meant to be the he's meant to be the nephew uh character in the original story mm-hmm. yeah when his when his when his brother when the brother uh when his brother, like, you know, what happened to the brother kind of was, like, one of the things that kind of got me. No, you mean uh, when he was uh, showed up to the funeral, and he, he was the only one there with, with evidently, it looked like Claire? Yeah. Um, and then... Um, and Wendy. Yep. So... Yeah. I that was the Christmas party that he was at, though. That was just like, I always wanted to get a nice Christmas get-together like that, where you're just, you know, having fun, uh, doing trivia, just hanging out in general. And all, and all Bill Murray got him was a towel. Or a VCR. Was it a VCR or a towel? I can't remember. He gave the brother, like, the VCR. Yeah, the, t- the the wife gave him a VCR, and, the, and uh, Bill Murray just got him a towel. That's it, towels. Which was top of the line VCR. Hey, towels are, towels are good, at least. <laughs> one, hey, one you know, back, one, back then, the VCR was probably a thousand bucks. It probably was. <laughs> one, one thing that was kind of cool was with that Christmas party. Um, so in the uh, original story, they play games of the time which would have been like Blind Man's Bluff and things like that. Um, and in here they are playing Trivial Pursuit and, you know, referencing stuff from the 50s, which would have been obviously in their immediate pop culture lexicon. So that that was kind of a nice way to uh, bring that 
forward into the present time while preserving the, you know, what that scene is supposed to mean. You know, it's showing people having a good time on Christmas. I can say that yeah. as a child of the 80s, at that point in time in the 80s, there were way too many reruns of Gilligan's Island for them to have guessed the mackerel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, really. Yes, As is uh, typical with a lot of 80s movies, the 50s nostalgia is quite uh, rampant, just like how nowadays 80s nostalgia is rampant. Interesting, interesting uh, little historical note here. I forgot about the character Bryce uh, Cummings, the guy from L.A. who's kind of horning into Frank's, uh, you know, job, who his character actually doesn't have any analog in the original story. Uh, But what's cool about him is that he's played by John Glover. He played... uh, he played Lionel Luther on Smallville. Yeah, and, uh, Smallville was and there, a good show. And there was there was actually an episode of Smallville that uh, mirrored a Christmas uh, Carol with Lex uh, trying to be good. At, but what's cool about it is that it ends all with Lex choosing the exact opposite path, which is to become even more greedy and power hungry and all that stuff. Which I thought that yeah, that's really cool. That that's great. Amazing. Not to mention the things that I think of when I think John Glover. Uh, there was an episode where he played very much a Scrooge type character in Frasier. There was a single episode where he played the boss who got fired. And of course, he also voiced Ed Nigma slash Riddler in the classic Batman series. So yeah. that was, uh, that was a f- that's where I know him from. I didn't and he was, and he was Doctor he was Doctor Woodrow in uh, Batman and Robin as well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I find it interesting that they hook him up with the uh, sensor person uh, at the end. Did anybody? I think as a child, I enjoyed the sensor the the person getting her getting constantly uh, yeah. hit by things. But I feel like it's a bit too much as an adult, maybe. I yeah. nipples in our Christmas program. Uh, I like, why not? Just pick on the sensor per- person. Uh, well, the, the whole nipple thing alone would definitely have disqualified it from being a family film, but also the, uh, the whole thing with the sensor getting hit with stuff, that was... Oh, that's another what? example of the tone being kind of all over the place. Like, that what? felt very slapsticky. Would that particular adaptation of Christmas Carol been a better movie than Scrooge? Hmm. Oh, the, yeah. the, one that they, the one that they were filming? Probably not. not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It would It would have been probably very, like, gimmicky and painfully awkward yeah. and, like, Trying yeah. hard to be traditional, but also trying hard to be commercial and modern, modern. And stuff. So, yeah. It, Did you guys it, notice in the commercial he had for it how the font for the movie is like Ben Hur or something? Yeah. <laughs> 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 the, t- the title of Scroo- Scrooge, it looked like the font that says Ben Hur. You know, we're, we're in the yeah. commercial. It looks like the, the font looks like, you know, Ben Hur. Like, you know, like the cracky, the cracked looking, t- like, you know, font. And actually, one of the better satirical moments in the film is early on when they're talking about 
his pre preview versus the one that they wanted to do. And he's like, an old lady died because you were overexcited or whatever. And he's like, recorded. It'd be better. It'd be um, um, what a higher profile or whatever he said. And it's like, yeah, It's like more publicity. That's what he's saying. Yeah, I mean, that's like that's a cold-blooded way of looking at it. Um, that, that whole uh, the difference in the spots, especially mm-hmm. his spot. Again, that that did kind of remind me of something I would have seen in like Natural Born Killers or even the original RoboCop. Like both both movies that had a very clearly satirical tone to them. Yeah, it makes me it makes me think of. Uh, did you guys see the stage fright um, fr- version from a couple of years ago, where it's like it's not like the old '80s one. It's basically like a slasher musical, and like it revolves around they're going to put on the Phantom of the Opera, but make it like a kabuki play. <laughs> it makes me think of like of that, like something just like stupidly pretentious. In a weird way, the movie kind of reminds me of Ghostbusters. In a weird way, because like Bill Murray, the, the Bill Murray, Bill, there, yeah, yeah, like the weird way it does remind me of a Ghostbusters kind of feel to it, but in a Christmas kind of way, because it has the ghosts and the and the spirit, like the the zombies and stuff. Like it has that feel to it. Yeah, it's like basically. It's like it's pretty much the Christmas edition. Christmas edition of Ghostbusters. Exactly. Peter Peter Venkman oh. would have knocked those ghosts out in half a minute. I know. <laughs> oh yeah. What's interesting is that uh, Peter Venkman, uh, 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 um, not Peter Venkman, but uh, but uh, the guy who played Egon, uh, uh, played with uh, with Bill Murray in the movie Strikes. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. They had a great close relationship, uh, the two. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember after he had died, uh, where Bill Murray actually even did that uh, unscripted uh, uh, call-out at the end (laughs) uh, during the Oscars. And and Harold Ramis directed him in Groundhog Day. Yes. Oh, yeah. Harold Ramis is a great gifted director and and a fun actor. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. So... uh, Music-wise, what what do we think of the music behind it? Oh, this is fantastic! Very, uh, very proto uh, Danny Elfman doing Tim Burton, except it wasn't a Tim Burton movie, but it was Danny Elfman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually like the Annie Lennox. Uh, gosh, what was it? Al Green uh, mixed up that song yeah. at the end. Yeah, that was a really good. I mean, that really is a quintessential. Uh, 80s Christmas song. <laughs> also remind me of Tim Burton's movies too. Oh yeah, especially with the oh yeah, especially with the production design. I think Tim, yeah. I think Tim Burton would, would be proud. Yeah, Tim Burton would be proud of this movie. <laughs> well, was proud of it, or because it's a, you know 1988. <laughs> when you uh, when you hear a score in the first. Uh, you know, notes are kind of upbeat and kind of quirky sounding, and then you literally hear la, 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 la. you can you can pretty well be, and especially the time period, you can be pretty well assured that it's probably a Danny Elfman score. And yes, indeed, it was. <laughs> it was. Oh, yeah. What in the fuck? <laughs> oh, I'm um, I'm still doing my final project for um, grad school. Um, 
and I'm looking at data of bird sightings here in town, and somebody says they saw a parakeet in the wild. Oh my gosh. It probably flew out someone's window. Idiot. No, that's, I <laughs> guess. This is, a, this is a prank. A parakeet? Where would they get, where is the parakeet coming from? Um, it's not important, never mind. Um, <laughs> you know, I didn't really notice the music in this one all that much, to be honest. Uh, which is kind of a surprise. There's um, a Lily Elfman score that is weird, because they tend to be very noticeable, but I... Lily really your face as a composer, so that does make me The only song that I not uh, noticed was in the very end, and they were making fun, uh, and I think they were punning one of the... Oh, oh, one of the Christmas songs. No. So. Just finished. I finished the movie. I was actually watching the movie the same time. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I actually liked it. I had the headphones, like talking to you guys, talking to. You what? You're cutting out again. I was actually watching the movie and. Mm -hmm. I was watching the movie and editing at the same time while talking to you guys. Ask and, and from what I see, and even though I didn't, I didn't hear the music, I'm sure it's because I heard then and I'm like, so I guess like Denny Elfman likes working with Will Murray's movies too. I guess anything with Christmas and that's where Tim Burton. And, like when it comes in, I guess design. Even though Tim Burton, I don't think made the crave the props, but I think as I said, the production design. Uh, Andy Elfman. Andy, could you could you talk a little bit slower? Sorry, it seems like um, your microphone can't quite keep up. So phones like. Uh, again, so from what I've seen from the movie overall, even though I. I sadly didn't hear the music good because I'm a giant fan of the Elfman music. I love Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh -huh. So, so the second time, let's say Kyle or my fan, definitely going to love the music because I've overheard that Denny Elfman involved the music and I'm going to enjoy it because, yeah, Denny Elfman's amazing. Okay. That was like, and I definitely like the production design, especially for the ghosts. I'm like, as I said, Tim Burton would be proud. Yeah, he definitely would be. Now, speaking of the production, one interesting tidbit about this one is that apparently, uh, the let's see, the camera work was done by. Uh, Michael, was it Michael Chapman or whatever his name was? Like, yeah. Well, I'm not even super familiar with him. But apparently, uh, it was going to be Conrad L. L. Hall, a freaking incredible cinematographer, and fired him after five days. It makes me wonder, like, what happened? <laughs> that's kind of crazy. That's, like, that's not very long. <laughs> so, well, the, okay, so the guy that did this is the guy who did The Fugitive, Doc Hollywood, Kindergarten Cop, Ghostbusters 2, Raging Bull. That's an interesting assortment there. 
<laughs> we were going good there until kindergarten cop. I mean, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, in the, in the last movie that he did was 16 bucks, so. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it makes you wonder if, uh, if, if it was Bill Murray that Conrad Alhall didn't get along with, or Richard Donner, or if there was just something else entirely. It's, it's interesting. I don't know. But Bill Murray's kind of a weird one on that level because for every prima donna thing I've ever heard him do, he's done something else that was like really cool and down to earth and stuff. So it's like he's not like Chevy Chase in the sense that he's just horrific all the time. Uh, you never really know what you're gonna get. There's a lot of stories that eccentric yeah. is the best word to describe Bill Murray uh, in pretty much all things, it seems like. Supposedly, he stole somebody's fries at a restaurant and then just like got in their face and was like, no one will believe this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, actually a, uh, there's actually a documentary called uh, that they actually did on that uh, that I do have, which is going to be interesting to watch through. <laughs> I like to see a documentary on this movie. <laughs> I would mind. I'm sure they've got some features somewhere. Does the Blu-ray have? Yeah. The Blu-ray does. Does the Blu-ray actually have extras? I haven't it, seen it. It might actually. Oh, I, 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 don't know. I never got the Blu-ray. Not sure if it has it. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah, so you have it. I know that the DVD didn't come with a lot. Uh, of course, I've still got the old DVD release. Yeah. Well, um, Christmas Vacation only came with like a commentary. That's and, it. That was pretty much it. Yeah. Really? I don't think it even came with a trailer. Um, and I have this. I have the Steelbook from Best Buy. Did it come with a? Well, that's it. Just the commentary. That's it. I'm pretty sure it was just a commentary. I, I can go get it. Yeah. See. I remember back in the day where it would be in VH, in VHS where you didn't need any extra extras. Sometimes the VHS would come with a behind the scenes at the end of the movie on the the back the end of like the, the tape. There'll be like a making of the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of funny. Uh, my first introduction to that was with like Full Moon's like kind of kids movies like Pet Shop and Prehysteria. And so uh -huh. at the end of the movie, there was like, I hear the animatronics of Prehysteria. And like, I thought, <laughs> I thought that the girl, like in the movie, the main character was a robot <laughs> for the longest time because of that. It's like, oh, she wasn't real. And it's like, no, it's It was kind of funny. That's it's funny. Really it does have <laughs> Give me a fucking break. <laughs> Alrighty, on that note, does anybody else have anything else to say about the film? Despite all the naysaying, this movie is honestly pretty good. Like, check it out. Well, I do want to say one one interesting thing. I don't know if anyone saw either today or yesterday. Uh, New York Times put out a, a, a little feature in their paper where they were talking about how movies don't always start off with the reputation they end up with. And they, and they were talking about 10 specific Christmas movies, which included Scrooge, last week's uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, the week before Black Christmas, and Die Hard. All four of them are on the list. Oh, that's so they, cool. They also, had, cool. They also had uh, um, cool. White Christmas, 
it's a wonderful life. Love actually. Um, and a Christmas story. Uh, I don't remember the other two offhand. Every single one of them got critically drugged when they first came on I honestly have a theory about that. I think that, well, movies in general, you know, do tend to find their audience of some kind, even if it's a, mm -hmm. even if it's a bad movie. Oftentimes, you'll get fans of it because of how bad it is. Right. Um, yeah. But but uh, I th I have a theory that. If it's a Christmas movie, especially, yeah, it, that Christmas movies generally have the propensity for finding an audience, like a long-term, uh, multi-generational audience, a lot easier than other films do. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I really do think that if it has something to do with Christmas, that it will eventually find its audience, even if it is you know, mixed or bad or whatever. I mean, even Santa Claus Conquers the Martians has its audience. And Santa Claus and uh, Santa Claus versus the Devil has its own fan base. So <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I don't remember that one. Which that one's actually what? not bad. I I um, was impressed. Like the title makes it sound a lot cheesier. Question though, was it? Question though, was it? Talking to the wire. I see it with Rift Tracks. It's uh, I've seen it theaters. That's very science theater, actually, even older yes. than Rift Tracks. Mr. They do. Science theater. That's my yes. I guess I saw. I, I mean, it's also uh, it's also one of the uh, on one of the uh, Mill Creek's fifty packs too. Uh, I didn't know that. Uh, uh, for a long time, Mill Creek would put out fifty packs, and I think it ended up on one of them. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, uh, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians is a public domain film, but. Uh, well, that, but that's exactly my point, is if it's got Santa Claus, if it's Christmas, if it's whatever, no matter what it is, it's going to have its fan base. Even Die Hard, which was not marketed as a Christmas movie, you know, I whatsoever. Can't that's a Christmas movie. Well, but that's, that's my point, is that it's a popular <laughs> film. It's yes. in, and of, in and of itself. I've never seen <laughs> that either. I have it, but I never watched it. I never watched it. I have it. I own it. I'll watch it right after we get off the show. That should be the next thing we review. My favorite Christmas movie is that. Okay, my favorite Christmas movie is Home Alone. That's the one. That's my favorite Christmas movie, Home Alone. I always say that. Home Alone 1, Home Alone 2, Home Alone 3, Jingle All the Way. You ever see Jingle All the Way with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? And, uh, Oh, yeah. And, uh... An awesome man. Put the cookie down. I've been watching an assortment of different Christmas movies myself. Uh, so, uh, another version of uh, the Ebenezer Scrooge Tale, which is one of my favorites, which has Henry Winkler in it, called An American Christmas Hero. That's not my to-do list. Yeah. I know. I've oh, I still need to see a Christmas Carol. Is that the one with uh, the people by the people who did Airplane? What are you talking uh, about? 
the American Christmas Carol. Is that the one, the American Carol, the one that they, by the people who did, um... Well, it was, uh, one of the one of the Zuckers uh, did that, and that was like their big anti Michael Moore. Yeah, the anti Michael Moore, anti liberal uh, thingy. Uh -huh. yeah. Why do we hate Michael Moore? The fuck? Well, there's there's some things to dislike about Michael Moore, even if you are of the liberal persuasion. But that's in terms of like. That's his, probably fair. <laughs> well, in terms of yeah. his. Uh, how he makes a point and how he backs up his assertions or how he represents certain events or whatever. That's, mm -hmm. yeah, that's another subject, but, um, anyway, yeah, that's, that's who made that. His films are about as subtle as this one was. Yeah. On that note, um, no one else has anything else to say. I think that's uh, where we will wrap up our discussion. Okay. Okay. This is an At the end here, we uh, we say exactly where we're for, uh, uh, we're from. So, uh, Elisa, since you're new, I, f I figured I'd ask you who you are and wh uh, where you're from, and uh, where we can find some of the things that you do. Okay. How excited for because. Talking to the mic. <laughs> I think she is. I think she's just cutting in and out. I think, she, yeah, she is. I, I don't know. Like, babe, talking to... I use your phone waxing up, or...? I don't know. Again, the... Can you hear me? Can you guys hear me now? Can you make it louder? Yeah, we can hear you. Oh, you can hear you now. Okay, again, I'm from New Jersey, and this is the easy to do on YouTube. I'm going by, you know, Nick X. Louder. Uh, I, again, though, this is my phone. Okay. Um. Anyway, I'm XX Mental Star Tube. I'm from Jersey, and for me, though, um, Hey, David, do you want me to send you a link to my channel, YouTube channel? Sure. Yeah, I'll do, do that. I would like one, too, actually. Yeah, you love with me, though. Hey, um, does somebody know her channel name? Can you just, like, say it? I'll say it. Um, her name is Lisa, my girlfriend's name is XX Star XX. Um, and, uh, what else do you... And that you can subscribe to her at that. Her Instagram is uh, MintoStar101. And from what I understand, you do stuff with animation, correct? Yeah, well, she does stuff with animation. Mm -hmm. Well, she drew her and profile. I think she's got to be pretty good. And I, I am also a voice, a voice actor for people on YouTube. Like for example, I, I am going to voice in a future project called, this may sound silly, but it's Sonic and Shaw, um, Lego Multiverse fan fiction thing my friend made up. Basically, I'm going to voice uh, a little giant crossover fan, the voice acting project where okay, I voice cool. a character named Elastic. 
girl. So pretty much overall, I am a voice actress and starting to become a viewer along with Kyle. Right, babe? Right. Right, babe. Basically, if you guys want to see, like, my stuff, if you guys want, um, Kyle or Kyle can, like, give you my want. Yeah. You like I said, like I said, uh, XX, subscribe to XX, XX on YouTube, and, uh, her Instagram is MintoStar101, um, should I give them your Tumblr? Yeah, you can give it, yeah, yeah, considering that uh, I have Tumblr right now. Poor Tumblr. I know, no. I know. What a painful I mean, death. Yeah. You, you, yeah, you guys, yeah. Yeah, you guys can know my Tumblr. It's SX. It's the same thing as my YouTube username. My Twitter, even though I barely use it, I sometimes use it, but it's SX as well. And Mendoza? Mentos. Yeah. Mentos. Well, that's my online name. Of, well, people call me Mento on YouTube. You can put it. A lot of people on YouTube, but my. The real name is Lisa, but I I'm trying to like come out of my shell to uh, my real name now because I don't I don't want to read to reveal my real name on, on YouTube. You, you know what I mean? I've been trying to do the same thing um, with my with my channel um, because like I I don't know I like getting into like political fights and some of these people can be pretty vindictive. So, actually, um, I do another show that's kind of on hiatus for right now, and we did a takedown of, like, this really nasty dude called The Quartering, and so our host, like, starts the show with my full name, and it's like, oh, great, so I can't share this now, because his fans are known to, like, dox people who criticize him. Good job. <laughs> so, I try to get that. So, um, uh, going over to uh, uh, Dane, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself or what, uh, what you do? I'm Dane Kyle, a filmmaker out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and um, my latest uh, short film was included in the anthology Clownsploitation, which is currently on Troma now, uh, so definitely check that out, and I've got... Uh, shorts appearing in three other upcoming anthologies called Creepy Pasta, Four We Are Many, and Drive In Grindhouse. So those are coming out. And uh, I am also directing my girlfriend's web series, Asylum Origins Harley, based on Harley Quinn. It's a fan series. The uh, teaser poster for it just debuted. It's on my Facebook, so anyone that is uh, on my Facebook can see it. And that'll be coming out in 2019. So, yeah, 2018 was a very productive year. And 2019 will be a year when uh, the fruits of those labors can be seen by people. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, um, yeah, Kyle got to see Clonsploitation, and he uh, said he was a big fan of my segment. Oh, I loved it. It was great. I loved your, your segment. Very, very good stuff, and I love all the other stuff too that you sent me. Thank you for for sending me that stuff. Love yeah. to check out more of your things, your stuff too. Absolutely, I'll keep you in the loop. Thank Alrighty. you. And then um, you're Dane, right? Yeah, Dane Kyle, K E I L. You can look him up on my Facebook if you want to add him. 
Hey. Yeah, I wanna I wanna talk to you more about uh, animation and voice acting because I've wanted to get into voice acting myself. Basically, so far I uh, um, I do voice a couple of like for crossover projects. I did a name Morgan the Hedgehog. He has his own like, web series, little, little picture editing called. I voiced a couple characters in there. Like I did voice um, Nora. From um, Jenny, in a show called some. I know it's in the movies with the teenage robot. Mm -hmm. Jenny, sometime with I, I forgot. I forgot the title, but I voice Ace. I I do a British accent, and I also do. Um, I also do stuff in there. If you guys know, I can do some of my voice work in those projects that I did with. Uh, what do you um, What do you use to record? Um, like, do you have your own microphone, or like, what What's your equipment set up? My equipment is basically I I just use my desktop, and if and if the echo, because I have a Mac, and I do my recording on there. If, if I don't, if my recording on there doesn't go properly. Okay. So sad. Uh, I just got curious. Uh, going over to you, Dustin. What? Uh, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Well, I'm a horror collector here in Milwaukee. Uh, I pick up pretty much whatever I find. Uh, whenever I find it. I have uh, an Instagram for my collection that is sorely in need of some updates. Uh, I'm DHR Hunter, all one word. Uh, I also started my own collecting channel for like unboxings, reviews, and basically just whatever I feel like it at the Crypt of Horrors, uh, which is kind of under construction. I have a bunch of videos that are kind of ready to go. I just need to edit them. Uh, so I'm also a grad student here in town. So I've, uh, well, I've got I've got a lot going on most of the time. <laughs> I'm uh, also a little bit of a writer and an editor for Inside Movies Galore, uh, our associated blog page. Uh, um, man, there's I, so much I'm, stuff to do. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna say goodnight actually a little bit early just because it's twelve twenty one where I am and I got work in the morning, but. Uh, very good to uh, meet everyone and good to uh, talk to everyone. And uh, I will uh, you bid too. you adieu. Have a good yeah. night, Kate. Uh, yeah, good stuff, Kate. Thanks for coming on. Have a good night, Kate. Talk to you later. Uh, all right, buddy. And uh, yeah, I think I'm. I think we're gonna like be shooting a short or something, right, Dave? At some yeah. point. In fact, that's in the wor uh, uh, works. Um, uh, the only thing I can say is that, uh, that we have till January to shoot some, uh, some, uh, something, and uh, okay, we're now working with an actor uh, with my part, um, and uh, that's all I'm going to say for right now, live, so uh, so that uh, so that we can. Yeah, be a surprise, kids. <laughs> yeah, apparently, we're working on a segment for an anthology, and that's all I'm going to say for right now. Yeah. Oh, uh, the other important thing: um, you can also find me on Instagram at the Crypt of Horrors. Um, not not Instagram, Twitter. Ah, 
Can you tell I haven't slept for, like, a few days? <laughs> uh, going over to Kyle, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and where we can find your reviews. I'm Kyle Apoi. I'm an actor, filmmaker, director, and, uh, and YouTuber, movie reviewer. I do movie reviews and DVD updates, Blu-ray reviews, and uh, collection videos. And... Um, I, I, you can find me on movie buff, my YouTube channel is movie buff one, and uh, my Instagram is uh, movie buff two. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter, and um, I got a few movies coming up. My uh, my new movie, uh, I have a new movie that I'm going to be in, I, which I have a quick uh, scene in called uh, which I was in the first volume, which is uh, Return to My Volume Two, aka Volume Two. It's going to be now premiering on Troma Now, so you can check that check that out. And the Blu-ray disc is going to be coming out. I think Christmas. It's it's coming out. I think the it's going to be coming out Christmas Eve. And um, I got some other stuff in the works. I got uh, driving. Driving Quite's I'm in an anthology film called Driving Quite's Exploitation. Driving Driving Grind House. And um it's a, I have a short in there with an old with a friend that I'm used to be friends with. And I'm not gonna say his name. But uh I play it's called Cannibal Maniac and I play the Cannibal Maniac and um and I also I'm other few things that I'm into that are coming out as well. And a few other horror movies you might have seen me in, like It Kills, Camp Blood 7, and uh, some other things, Old 37, some other things. So uh, definitely check me out, give me a sub. And what the fuck is happening? Awesome. Uh, going over to uh, Brandon. And I do videos with, and I also do videos on Inside Movies Galore. I also do, I also belong to Inside Movies Galores. You, and I do a podcast on Inside Movies Galores and live streams, and I do videos with my girlfriend Lisa. We're listening uh, X X X Star X X. I definitely give her a sub too. Awesome. I do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I do videos with her. Awesome. Uh, going over to Brandon. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Uh, yes, uh, I, uh, of course, run a channel called Septum Send vs. The World. Uh, we are a channel that dedicates ourselves to the collection of physical media, be that uh, movies, video games, music, books, etc. Though we do like to focus mostly on movie collecting uh, and all those things around it, uh, such as uh, new movie releases, which, of course, on the 25th of December, we expect a huge uh, movie release. Uh, a whole, whole ton of them. Uh, three, exactly. Um, <laughs> and, uh, of course, we also do uh, movie reviews as well as top 15s. I have done some joint projects with Inside Movies Galore, including uh, some joint reviews and discussions. And hopefully in the near future, hopefully within the new year, I should say, we shall again do another compilation. <laughs> um, going over to uh, Kabuki Jake, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? All right, I'm Jake, and I also frequently guest on Flipping Thin vs. the World. And incidentally, our most recent top 15 is the top 15 not-so-classic Christmas movies for the season. 
kind of a cumbersome title, I'm afraid, but it basically are like the, the hits that were not really hits, but that are great for watching this time of year. Um, and we, uh, I do solo stuff as well. I don't have very many opportunities to do the editing myself, so the stuff is piling up. But I am working on a series of reviews where I review Criterion films with the entire package. I finally finished watching everything on the Rebecca package, so I will be filming that review soon. Hopefully those will be released soon. Um, I do have my own channel called Buki Jake, which is more nature-themed, more nature-oriented. I was kind of lazy about doing it this year, but next year I intend to do more with that one. Uh, also an aspiring writer. We'll see what the new year brings on that front. <laughs> cool. And uh, my name is David Striggy. I run Inside Moves for War, but I kind of uh, say that I run it with all of you. Thank you. Yay! Um, yeah. And um, I'm, I also used to blog for, uh, uh, well, I still do, but, uh, but I've kind of toned down on my blog, uh, blogging for Movies Galore of Milwaukee. Um, uh, where I've centered on doing YouTube reviews on many different uh, 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 films. And because it's the Christmas season, I've been trying to get some Christmas season reviews out. I'm also a producer in my own right. I am one of the executive producers behind Russell Massacre. So if you have not checked that uh, film out, definitely check it out. Um, among other films and short uh, uh, films. And as uh, Dustin somewhat, uh, 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 somewhat uh, uh, laid, we're kind of in the process of putting together a small segment for an anthology film. Ooh. Uh, so, uh, uh, nice. very nice. Filmed uh, next year in January. That's about all I'm going to say about that. Look forward to checking it out. We're going to have to shoot like tomorrow. <laughs> well, we're not going to shoot tomorrow. I'm going to wait until after the <laughs> I'm working with uh, Brandon on getting his part uh, done with it first, and then we'll, and then I'll go to my part with you. And I'm also talking with a, an actor that the director wants to me to to act with uh, to uh, to get it all, you know, because evidently I've got to come up with a three-page script for our script, so uh, or uh, whatnot, so. But that's all the fun, uh, fun of putting get, uh, together a small fragment. Yeah. Well, I've got some uh, I've got some friends um, that do scripts and stuff, so I think I can probably give you a hand with that. Okay. So, like, um, I know one of the guys who wrote the WNUF Halloween special. Okay. Oh, I want to see that. It's, it's so good. Like, it's freaking brilliant. I, I was, I'm dying to see that movie. I love I want I love Sean video stuff. Alrighty. Uh, so next uh, 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 next um, we're gonna take a two week hiatus uh, to allow the Christmas season to actually um, Dean and I might come on and talk about a Christmas story next week. <laughs> If anyone want to come on with us, I'll, I'll let you know the uh, 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 the day. But we were planning on at least that. 
Well, they have their, in the mouth of madness marathon, like, I mean, you got, somebody's got to come on and talk about it. <laughs> speaking, speaking, speaking of Sean videos, one other thing I want to mention is I'm going to be in a Sean video movie called uh, Not Night of the Mask coming up soon. Mm. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm excited to see it. Mm. <laughs> Sounds like a cool title. Uh, but anyways, Die Hard will be it'll be our next film in the uh, uh, finishing off the at least Christmas season um, uh, uh, festivities, and uh, uh, that will be on the eighth of January. So um, check that out, for, uh, folks. And everyone, say good night. Good night. Good night, everyone. He was worse than dead. His brain is gone. That's what I call getting some head. <laughs>